Good morning, church. Um, so I figure I probably should introduce myself a little bit before I get started, because um, probably some of you are like, who's this weirdo in a suit up here? Um, uh, see, I, I figured. Um, so yeah, I'm Jimmy Murray, and like Pastor Jeff said, I was an intern here at one point a few years back. Um, grew up here as well. Started coming to Forest Hills when I was three, um, so quite a while. Um, did my internship when I, so I went to undergrad at the Moody Bible Institute. Uh, God bless the school that D.L. Moody founded. Uh, so my internship was youth ministry, so I got to do it with Craig one summer and loved every second of it. Um, and then decided to come back to town for grad school, uh, did seminary at GRTS, and they somehow roped me into two programs. Um, I think I'm sick with, like, liking school or something. I'm one of those sickos. I if you would have asked me in high school if I would have went this far in school, I would have laughed at you and said, absolutely not. Um, so yeah, I ended up doing a counseling program as well. So that's, that's where Pastor Jeff said I'm, I'm in the counseling field, uh, work with Arbor Circle. Uh, so yeah, a lot of troubled teens is kind of my program. Uh, but I also got to do kind of a pretty cool gap year, I guess, uh, I studied at Jerusalem University College in Jerusalem for a school year. Um, and that's where this passion, not just for the Bible, I've always kind of had that passion, uh, but a passion for the land of the Bible, uh, a passion for the people of the Bible. Uh, so I got to live in Jerusalem. I got to... I was forced to take uh, field trips almost every weekend throughout the land of Israel. Um, pretty tough to do, I know. Um, and so I was stuck there as well during COVID, which because of that, it canceled some classes that we had to make up. Um, so this spring, I actually had a makeup class that was titled Christian Movements in the Mediterranean. Um, and what that was, a professor, former professor at Eastern Mennonite University, uh, Linford Stutzman, as part of his sabbatical, bought a sailboat and said, I am going to sail Paul's missionary journeys. Um, so he did it, him and his wife, uh, throughout the Mediterranean, hit pretty much every port that Paul did. And then he had the brilliant idea of, you know, I'm going to make this a class. And ended up retiring from EMU, but still wanted to offer this class. And JUC stepped in and said, we'll offer it for you. Uh, so I was the first JUC class to sail axe. Um, and that's actually his boat's name is Sailing Axe. Uh, so I got to do several of Paul's stops throughout the way, and this was just a couple months ago. Um, and that's really what gave me this passion for the book of Acts, for Paul's journeys. Um, so much so, I had like a 14-hour layover in Antalya, Turkey, 
And I sat there and did most of my sermon prep right there. Uh, I didn't tell Pastor Jeff at that point that I wanted to do the book of Acts, but I got back and was like, hey, I want to do the book. Uh, so I kind of forced my hand in that. So uh, this, is, this is one of my passions now is the book of Acts, the land of the book. Um, Sadly, I'm not taking you on like a tour of Israel today as much as I would love to. uh, We don't have the time for that. Um, So that's my plug for the Israel trip that Pastor Jeff is offering. Um, Do it. Like, it's incredible. Um, It's, you'll fall in love with the land. You'll fall in love with the book. Um, So that, those are kind of my shameless plugs for Israel uh, you will see, though, I, I can't do the whole tour, but throughout you'll see some photos that I put up. Uh, they're not stock images. They're all images that I took on my phone. Um, so first off, iPhones are pretty cool. They take good photos. Um, so you'll get to see some views that I saw uh, and some of the land that I fell in love with and enjoy. Um, And another quick shout out is to Luke Schellenberg. Uh, He's filling in for me right now with the middle school and high school. Uh, He hasn't taught much. And I asked him this week of, hey, can you fill in? And he jumped on board. So shout out to him for taking charge with that. Um, Also pray for him. He's in with like the hyenas down there. Like, so he, he might come out alive. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm just thankful for him for stepping in. So our, our culture today is a culture on comfort, culture on ease, making things easy, not wanting to do the tough stuff, not wanting to push ourselves. Uh, with my background in youth ministry, we hear the term a lot, especially now of bulldozer parents or snowplow parents, uh, the parents that want to make things easy, get all of the obstacles out of the way. Uh, and our lives are like that. And I think social media has played a lot in that. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google, all of that makes things easy for us. Um, I can have conversations through text, through Facebook, as opposed to -to face-to-face. And what we're seeing with that more and more now is the censorship of communication. Uh, Obviously, that was pretty popular recently, uh, the whole censorship piece with social media. But it's prevalent in our Christian lives. Uh, These platforms have the ability to censor our Christian message. Our gospel message can be put on the back burner, can be shoved to the last page of Google. Uh, It can be viewed as hate speech. So what are we going to do when it is hard to be a Christian. 
when it is hard for the church to get their message out? What is going to happen when the church can't get its message out? I thought of Don Marshall's testimony last week. I wasn't here, and I watched it online, and I went back a couple times this week because what a message. If you guys weren't here, I, I encourage you to look back at it like, holy cow, what a testimony. Um, from when he was baptized as a kid in Africa. And the way he put it was he wanted to be baptized with his African brothers. Uh, and he tells the story of the Muslim spies watching the African brothers be baptized um, and going home to their homes on fire, their possessions on fire. Uh, and he went on to share more of his testimony of a helicopter crash and moving from Africa to France. And this guy wasn't going to be stopped. He's still not going to be stopped. He even said it. We're still going strong. Uh, he's getting the gospel out there. He's preaching the word to those who need it. And that's what we're looking at today in Acts is most of the second half of Acts is Paul. And this guy who wasn't going to stop until the whole world heard the gospel. He wasn't going to care what people thought, what people did. He was going to share the gospel. And more than just Paul, we see it at the beginning as well of the early church, the early believers, the disciples. They were going to preach the word no matter what. Um, so I want to read, Carrie read part of it already this morning, but I do want to read through it again. Uh, Acts 1, 6 through 11 is kind of, what I want to focus on a little bit this morning. Uh, stand with me in honor of God's word. Acts 1, 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on him, looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word for his people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray. Father God, we, we pray this morning that you give us passion like the early church to share the gospel. We pray for passion like Paul to go to the whole world. We just pray that you open our eyes, open our ears to your word. Teach us what you want us to learn. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. 
So a little bit of background here in Acts. Um, we kind of saw it at the very beginning of Acts 1 of written by Luke, basically a second, second version of Luke. It's a continuation. It's part two of Luke. Um, so you'll, you'll probably get sick of this by the end of the year, or you probably already have it memorized of what every book is and where it is on the shelf. So you'll see Acts is basically on its own. It follows the Gospels. It's a history book, history book of the church. Um, so that's kind of why it's on its own for the most part. Um, again, a little bit of background here. Uh, so yeah, it's the history book of the church. My, the title in my Bible has it as the Acts of the Apostles. So their works, what they did, how they shared the gospel, how they spread the gospel. Uh, it's also been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because as you'll see, you'll see the common theme. Um, the Spirit empowering the believers. The Spirit coming to the believers. Uh, we saw it in chapter 1 of Christ saying, hold on, wait for the Spirit, I'm leaving you, but hold on, the Spirit's coming, the help's coming, uh, don't go out until you get the Spirit. So a lot of Spirit talk, Spirit imagery throughout here. Uh, also with Acts, being the continuation of Luke, we see at the end of Luke, obviously it's the resurrection of Christ, the death, resurrection of Christ, uh, beginning of Acts, we still see Christ is still on the scene. Um, the resurrected Christ is here. We get into the ascension, so Christ being lifted up uh, prior to the Spirit coming. Uh, we also see Luke is a lot of Jerusalem orientation. Christ sets his eyes on Jerusalem. Um, that's where the book ends is in Jerusalem, the religious hub. Um, with Acts, we start to see the eyes being set on the world, uh, starting in Jerusalem and going to the ends of the earth. So there's that subtle shift from local to global. Uh, so again, eyes from Jerusalem outward. We also see, again, a lot of the Spirit coming to the early church, the early believers. Uh, and that's kind of where Acts kicks off. So Christ ascends, and then we get into Pentecost. Um, so chapter 2 of Acts is the early church is gathered, the believers are there, Jewish people, non-Jews, all together. Spirit comes, fills them. And then we start to see some of the preparing to go out. Um, Craig talked about at the church picnic a while back. I know it's been a while, but he also preached on all the minor prophets at once as well. So trying to remember that. Um, we see a lot of imagery, Pentecost imagery, Day of the Lord imagery back in Joel. Um, this idea of the coming of the day of the Lord. And that's what Peter quotes here. Um, 
in Acts is this imagery from Joel. And then I also thought it was pretty interesting, and of course, Craig will get all nerdy on us with this, of there was already one Lord of the Rings reference, but I also thought, like, in chapter 2, the title I have in my Bible is The Fellowship of the Believers. Uh, If that's not Lord of the Rings imagery there, I don't know what is. Uh, And I'm not like the Lord of the Rings, like, throw that out there all the time. Um, But I just think that is incredible imagery there of the early church coming together, uh, being there for one another as they get ready to go out. Um, And then, as we'll see, I'm sure you guys have already seen this in the past, but this is the Acts 1-8, just kind of the spheres of influence, the spheres that are talked about here. Um, So obviously you have Jerusalem, the local piece, and we'll unpack all of these a little bit. Um, The local, Jerusalem, the hub, Judea, the outskirts, Samaria, kind of the outsiders, and then the ends of the earth. Um, And we'll see throughout as well the Spirit's influence in each of these. Um, So we'll unpack these a little bit because right in chapter 1, that's what Christ says, is he wants the gospel preached in these areas. Um, So we'll go through each of these. Again, like I said, these photos I took. um, And so here's a plug as well for the Israel trip. I won't do this every time, I promise. Uh, But that is taken from the Mount of Olives looking into Jerusalem, uh, the Temple Mount. Obviously, that gold dome wasn't there in the time of Christ. Um, But that is Jerusalem there for you. So what was Jerusalem? Um, I put there as, it was the locals. It was the people that the early church knew, they were comfortable with. They knew the people. They knew the culture. Um, It's what they were used to. Uh, So that's the local piece. It was also the the religious hub. Uh, It still is that way today. Uh, Jerusalem is the epicenter for Jewish, Muslim, Christianity. It's all a melting pot right there. You go outside of Jerusalem, and it's not as religious. Um, You get out to Tel Aviv, and it's like you're in Miami. Um, So a lot of the religious hub is there. We see that in Acts 4 uh, as the believers are starting to preach, are starting to share the gospel. Uh, I think it's a great great verse, verse 2, talking about the Jerusalem council, the, the Jews that are there, it says, uh, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus a resurrection from the dead. The Jews were greatly annoyed with the early church. Can outsiders say that about us? Are, we, are they greatly annoyed by the work that we're doing? There is also other work being done 
in Jerusalem. Um, obviously, Pentecost happened there. That's kind of where everything kicks off. Uh, there was early persecution happening in Jerusalem. That is when the church starts to branch out. Uh, the gospel wasn't being accepted. Uh, we see in Acts 5, the apostles were arrested, then released by God. Um, Acts 6 and 7, we see Stephen is arrested, then stoned. Uh, 12, James is killed. Peter's imprisoned. It became very hostile to be a believer in Jerusalem. Uh, they were the outsiders. They were frowned upon. Uh, things got violent. There was also work being done there that was eye-opening, was bringing people to Christ. Uh, we see in Acts 3, the healing of the lame beggar. Uh, that was from childbirth. This beggar was lame and was at the temple every day. Uh, eventually, after the healing, goes back and everybody recognizes who this was and sees the miracle that happened of this person who's been lame forever is now healed. Um, and so that's where some of like this hostility comes in is, okay, these people are challenging our way of life. Um, so again, Jerusalem, the, the hub, the locals, what they're used to, and then we start to branch out. Uh, we see Judea. I, I put it as locals, but it, it's kind of the mixture. Um, so Judea is the, the outskirts, um, not local Jerusalem. It's outside of that. Um, so it's kind of local of, yes, there'll still be Jews around there. You're starting to get more non-local um, travelers, Gentiles, outsiders, uh, there's those type of influences around. Um, in Acts 8, we see the Ethiopian eunuch and what that was, it was, it was outside of Jerusalem. They, it ends up saying it was a desert place on the road to Gaza. Um, so another plug for the Israel trip is you'll you'll see that it's not just city. You'll see the desert areas. Um, you'll see the winding roads and all of that. Um, so that's, that's where the Ethiopian eunuch comes in, an outsider coming to Christ. Um, the beginning of this global ministry. We also see in Acts 10 in Caesarea, um, the conversion of Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, uh, so a guard, a powerful person. Uh, it says in verse 22, uh, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Uh, so this guy had power, a uh, pretty important person in a pretty important place. Uh, this photo is Caesarea. Uh, you can kind of see the Mediterranean there, um, Caesarea Maritima. And it's important because Israel doesn't really have, in the ancient times, port cities. And Caesarea was a man-made port. Uh, it was important for 
the Roman goods to come in and out. Um, and Herod built this city, built this port um, on the coast. And it was important for the goods to come and go. It was important for travel. It was important for religion. Um, ideas were able to come and go in and out of Israel. And Caesarea was that place. Um, so Cornelius was, was a big deal. Uh, and then we also see in Acts 11, Antioch. Uh, modern day, it's not in Israel, uh, but Antioch was close enough where we see the disciples going there, we see Paul there. And I, I say Antioch is, is really one of the first mega churches for the most part, one of the first multi-ethnic churches, one of the first missional churches churches. Um, We'll see Paul ends up being sent out from Antioch. He reports back to Antioch. um, Very important church for the gospel spread. Um, So that's a little bit of Judea. Again, the locals slash outsider combo, um, a variety of different people. That's kind of the beginning of this outward orientation, this ends-of-the-earth orientation. It's no longer just Jerusalem. It's no longer just the Jews. It's these Romans, these Ethiopians, the outsiders are starting to come to Christ. And then Samaria. Uh, This photo is from on top of Mount Gerizim. And you can look across, see Mount Ebal there, and you're looking into modern-day Samaria, as well as antiquity Samaria. Uh, If you could zoom in, you'd be able to see the church where it's believed that the well, for the woman at the well, was located. Uh, And Samaria is the outsiders. Samaria are the hated enemies of the Jews, Uh, they had different beliefs. They, they were just different. Um, they were to be avoided. You didn't want to be around them. Jews wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. Um, and we start to see in Acts 8, ministry in Samaria. Uh, Philip goes to Samaria and ministers. And people respond. They respond to the gospel Uh, People are overcome with joy. They start believing. Uh, We see in 8, we see Simon the magician, someone who thought he was all that, thought he was touched by God. He was this powerful person. Hears the gospel and responds. Uh, Peter and John end up joining Philip in Samaria and see that lives are being changed, that people are responding which was unheard of. Jews would not have done that. These were the people you would not expect to respond to the gospel, and yet they did. It showed the power of the Spirit reaching these people. So more of the missional mindset, Samaria, the outsiders, and then ends of the earth. And 
ends of the earth is a good chunk of the book of Acts. Um, They're the foreigners, again, the outsiders. And we start to see this change in chapter 9 with Saul. Saul comes on the scene. He's a Jew's Jew. Um, He's one who is persecuting the church. He was anti-Christian, arresting, killing, um, anything that had to do with the church, he was destroying it. Um, And he comes to Christ. Uh, Acts 9, we see the conversion on his way to Damascus. The Spirit comes, um, speaks to him. And again, we see another reversal here. We see the Samaritans starting to come to Christ. We see this hated, hated by the Christians, really, Saul, become Paul. He's now no longer a persecutor, but the one being persecuted. Uh, The Jews now wanting to kill Paul. And he wasn't going to stop at anything to share the gospel. It was Paul's goal to share the gospel with the whole world. Um, and we see him become one of the first cross-cultural missionaries. Uh, again, back with the church in Antioch. Pretty much being commissioned to head out, um, to head to the ends of the earth. Um, and that was Paul's goal was to be able to get to Rome. Uh, So you'll probably have seen in the past the missionary journeys of Paul. I'm sure they're probably in the back of your Bible. Um, You've seen them at some point. Um, But Paul goes throughout the Mediterranean on four journeys um, throughout the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. And it wasn't easy going. Uh, What we know about Paul was... Sailing was hard. Uh, He went quite a few trials. Chapter 14, he was stoned, uh, imprisoned in chapters 16 and 21, shipwrecked in 27, snake bitten in 28. Uh, Not easy. Not easy going. But through that, Paul was able to reach more than just the Jews. Um, If you think about sailing, Especially back then, it was time-consuming. You never knew how long it would take. Um, And Paul was able to reach these people, the sailors, the people at port, um, and was able to be like, yeah, I've been there. Yep, I've been shipwrecked. Um, Able to show scars, show his rough side. And lives were changed because of that. So a little bit of Paul's journey slash the gospel journey. Um, We have to go quick. That's like the worst part of this. Um, But we see in chapter 16 the conversion of Lydia um, in Philippi. Uh, She was a seller of purple goods. And what we know about purple was it was the expensive color. It was time-consuming to make. Uh, The Mirac shells are just these tiny little shells that they, it was a process to get everything out of it, crush it, make the purple. 
Um, and that's what she did. That was an important job that was fairly wealthy job. Uh, we also see in 16 the Philippian jailer who comes to Christ uh, almost took his own life because the Spirit came and opened the prison doors. Um, and he thought everybody had escaped, meaning he did a bad job and would have been killed. Um, so he was ready to kill himself, and instead the believers there are like, nope, we're still here, and he ends up coming to Christ. So his life was changed, his family's life was changed. Uh, we also see, and the photo here is Athens. Um, Paul spent time in Athens. Uh, so this was taken at the temple of Hephaestus, looking at the Roman Agora, as well as the Acropolis and Mars Hill. Uh, so Paul preached there, and some would say that it wasn't a successful trip. I would argue the opposite. Um, he reached very powerful people um, with power and authority, and they end up bringing the gospel as well. Um, and then we finally see Paul, his final, his final goal was to make it to Rome. And we see at the end of Acts that Paul makes it to his, one of his final destinations. Obviously, he, he would have loved to have gone further, um, but he did make it to Rome. Um, and I think one of the coolest things I have heard, and my professor brings this up, um, Paul is probably the only person in the world to ever have contact with Jesus and Caesar. Caesar being one of the most powerful people in the known world at that time. Wealth and influence, as well as Jesus, the most prominent figure in all of history. And he had contact with both. Um, so I think the work of Paul was incredible, of he wasn't stopping at anything to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. So with our last little bit of time, I want to pull back up the circles here. So throughout Acts, we see the power of the Spirit. We see the Spirit working in the early church, in the believers. And I pull these circles back up to look at our situation. Jerusalem. What, what is our Jerusalem? What is the local place for us? Our neighborhood, where we work, our friends, our family, the local people, those that we're connected with. What is our Jerusalem? What is our Judea, the people that we know? that we come in contact with daily, the grocery store, wherever that might be, Samaria, the outsiders, those that are looked down upon, those that are different from us, different backgrounds. Some of that is closer than you think. 
my great aunt and uncle, until she passed away, they did a hot dog ministry downtown. Every Thursday, they did hot dogs, chips, coffee for the homeless population. And that has just exploded even more, the homeless population in Grand Rapids, right on the other side of the tracks from us. What is our Samaria? And then ends of the earth, obviously the global ministry, the global impact. And I'm not up here saying that we all need to be global missionaries. But where is our area of influence? Where would you go if I told you to go to where the gospel has not been preached? Where would you spin the globe and find that place? How about where would you go if I told you to go where the gospel has not been heard? Slight, slight difference there. Preached versus heard. Um, parents, I'm sure you're used to that, of preaching at your kids versus them hearing it. I'm guilty as well. Um, but where would you go if I were to tell you to go where the gospel has not been heard? Grand Rapids has a population of over 200,000 and growing. 50% say they are religious. Um, and by religious, I mean any type of religion. Not just evangelical. Any religion. And that's only 50%. We heard last week that potentially in the state's maybe about 25% of the population are evangelical. One of the fastest growing populations in the states are the nuns. And nuns are those that, if given the opportunity to, on a survey to say what type of religion you follow, they would say none. And some of these people have grown up hearing the word. Especially around Grand Rapids where I had my roommate from Israel in town a couple weeks ago and we drove around Grand Rapids and he was shocked at the number of churches on every corner. Uh, we were downtown and there were like six churches within like a mile drive. Uh, and he was blown away by that. And yet... 50% of Grand Rapids say they're religious. So where are you called to be a missionary? Might be closer than you think. On your own street, at the end of your driveway. Paul's goal was to preach the gospel to the whole world. What's your goal? Go to where the gospel has not been heard. It's closer than you think.